Hello, you wonderful people out there in the world. This is Uta. I am your host, and this is the Through the Grapevine podcast. Yup, it's back. I'm back. <laughs> Good golly, it's been a while, hasn't it? And during this leave of absence, all kinds of things happened. And I will, of course, fill you in a little bit on what's been going on in my life. First of all, Many of you know this already, but in case you don't, Allie has made the decision to step away from Through the Grapevine, and I'm afraid I kind of carry the responsibility for this decision as I am the one who decided to change directions here a little bit and to kind of slow things down. Uh, We won't discuss this in detail here, it doesn't matter, but just know that Allie and I are fine, we're talking to each other. I love her dearly, and I think she is truly one of the greatest humans I have ever had the privilege to work with, and I mean that. And I hope that she will agree to be a guest on here soon as she is about to start her journey back in... Uh, at Penner Ash out in the valley, she's starting a new harvest and she's starting August 1st. And I'm sure she will be talking about it on her Instagram. So if you would like to continue to stay in touch with Allie, please do follow her there. Her Instagram handle is Vino Shark. Yes, it is Vino and Shark. V-I-N-O-S-H-A-R-K. And of course, I will have that in the show notes. Allie, I cannot wait for your harvest stories. I know you're going to do amazing things. Um, Allie did tell me that some of her team from last year is going to be back, but there's also going to be a bunch of new people. And like I said, I do hope that she's going to be chatting as a guest here very, very soon. Maybe, maybe after she's done with harvest and she has some, some time to come up for air. <laughs> so. Let's get back to the podcast. I really am so glad to be recording again. It's been a whirlwind of emotions lately. First of all, my eldest child, my 28-year-old daughter, Lisa, has announced to us that she and her family will be moving to Germany. Um, And that's a tough one for many reasons. Mostly, I'm just really, really sad that my daughter is leaving. You know, we've, we've, seen each other so much in the last few years and to not have that anymore, that's going to be so very different. You know, I always, I guess I always visualized, you know, what it was going to be like when my kids were all grown. I figured, yeah, they'll always be, you know, nearby. We're going to have like this big happy family, Thanksgiving dinners with like, you know, 15, 20 people. And uh, right now, it's uh, really just going to be my son that's left here in Portland with us, while one of my daughters is in San Diego and the other one is going to Germany. Um, now, of course, the other reason this is so hard is the grandkids. It's that's the that's the fact. <laughs> the boys are now three years old and eight months old, and I have a pretty close bond with them. Especially with Elliot, who's the older one, he was born during the first lockdown in 2020. So what do you do during COVID? You spend a lot of time with your family, right? 
And this is what we did for like the first two years of COVID. We were practically together all the time. So many dinners together, so many times that I babysat or we went out for walks or we just did things together. And and then I was there for the little one, Parker. I was there for his birth, which was incredible. And well, these boys have my heart. They just really have my heart. And if you listener, happen to be a grandma, you know how I feel. You really don't think you can love anyone as much as your own children. And then the grandkids come along and your heart just overflows with emotion. You just love spoiling them. You know, I think it's just what makes it so fun to be a grandma is that you have this relationship with this child but you don't have to be the disciplinarian. <laughs> and not that I would let them, you know, run wild or, or not impose some rules here and there, but it, it's you, you just get to spend this time and it's just happy, happy, happy all the time. And, uh, and so that's hard. It's hard to let that go. Now, of course, the one advantage is that we have video calls nowadays, which is really great. And those video call calls don't break the bank like a phone call did when it was in the 90s. I remember being here as an exchange student and it was Christmas time and I talked to my parents on the phone and we talked for a half hour, 45 minutes or something like that. And my dad told me later on that the phone bill for that month was $200. So we don't have that anymore, which is great. But damn it. It'll be so hard not to see them every week or, you know, whenever I want to see them. And, you know, yes, granted with my job and, and everything, I haven't seen them as much as before, but still I see them weekly and it's going to be very, very hard to not have that anymore. But I'm going to not continue to whine about it because I'm going to just start crying again. <laughs> You don't want that here on the podcast. So another reason I did have to just kind of take a step back were some health issues that I was experiencing and they turned out to be harmless or shall we say they turned out to be natural. All I can say here is menopause. Menopause, anyone? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> I'm such a Gen X person. It's ridiculous. Anyway, menopause is a real bitch to deal with that I did not quite see coming like that. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. I knew about a lot of the symptoms from reading about it. I just didn't think it was going to be so bad for me, nor did I think it would hit me before I turned 50. I don't know. I figured, you know... My mom was in her mid-50s, so that I would be too. Yeah, lucky me. Um, here I am, and I'm not even 49 years old, and I'm smack dab in the middle of it. But there are things you can do about it, and I am doing all the things. And I did start a new podcast called The Gen X Lady um, to talk about all of that stuff. So far, I have recorded exactly one episode, <laughs> and I'm starting to think I'm spreading myself a bit thin here, but we'll see. You know, follow me on Instagram at the Gen X Lady, and we'll see where it takes us there. 
And then, of course, because I'm a sucker for punishment, I also accepted a position as tasting room manager for a winery called Cougar Crest Estate Winery. If you're local to the Willamette Valley, come on by. I'd love to see you. The tasting room that I helped open and am managing right now is in Lake Oswego. And of course, I'm not really being punished here. It's just that this job has taken up a whole lot more of my time and energy than I expected. I think mainly energy. I've just... Oftentimes in the last few weeks, I've just felt really, really drained. And again, that might still have to do a little bit with this whole menopause issue. But when when your mind is constantly at work, constantly thinking, even after you leave work, you're still, you know, constantly think about what went well, what didn't go well, what you have to do, do, do write it down, just write it all down. I mean, I've literally needed to write it all down so that I would remember it all and finally kind of start letting it go and and realize it's not going to go away. It's still going to be right there, even if you don't think about it for a hot minute. So it does take a lot of your time. It does um, take a lot of your energy, but it also is a really, really nice tasting room. It just has this lovely living room vibe to it. You know, people like to hang out. We have a couch, we have an electric fireplace. People just love to sit and chat and drink good wine. We have this bar area that people are actually using. So I kind of love that about it too. You you get to have all kinds of really amazing conversations. Um, some of our guests actually do come in as strangers and then they make friends with other people sitting at the bar with them. I mean, how cool is that? And I think maybe I'm a little bit, you know, COVID traumatized where, you know, you would go somewhere and you'd be like, I don't know. Do I want to talk to this person? Are you safe? Are you a safe person to talk to? And we have left that behind. And all of a sudden we're, you know, left and right, making friends with people. And I get to experience that in the tasting room. And I just love it. I think it's wonderful. So to talk about Cougar Crest um, and then about the winemaker at Cougar Crest, that is what my main topic is going to be about today. I'm not entirely sure how long the episode actually will be. I expect it's not going to be quite as long as other episodes where I do interviews, but we will bring the interviews back for sure. Cougar Crest is a Walla Walla-based winery that was established in 2001 at the Walla Walla Airport. Now, I've never been to Walla Walla myself. I don't know where the airport is, but I think it must have been pretty cool. <laughs> they did move to Frenchtown Road. And again, not having been there myself, I can't speak for it, but I do know the pictures do look amazing. I do hope that someday soon I can take a trip up to Walla Walla, check out the winery, enjoy some wine on location. That would be really, really cool. Now, the other cool thing, though, is that even though the tasting room is in Washington, the vineyards are located on the Oregon side of the Walla Walla AVA. Well, Walla Walla Valley AVA. That is a mouthful. The grapes are grown in the Milton Free Water District. The area over there only gets about 8 to 10 inches of rain per year, which to me is so weird. 
you know, only four hours from where I am in Oregon, where we get over 30 inches of rain a year, the, the climate is so vastly different that they only get eight inches. I'm just not used to that from, you know, Germany. While the climate does change, of course, in Germany, you know, going from south to north and kind of gradually get cooler, it, it's nothing like the difference between, I don't know, Portland and eastern Oregon. Anywho, this poor climate does make it perfect to grow big, bold reds, but also some very nice whites. Some of the whites are a Viognier, very, very good, a very lightly oaked Chardonnay, and a bone-dry Riesling with only 1% residual sugar. So if you don't usually like Riesling because you think they're too sweet, you might try a Cougar Crest Riesling and be pleasantly surprised. I know I was. We also have this wonderful rosé of Syrah, so 100% Syrah grapes, but the skin contact is only six hours from harvest to pressing the juice. So a short period of time, and the color is almost peachy and, and kind, of, kind of going into like that orange direction anyway. And so you have this lovely Syrah, obviously, but it's a rosé. It's a dry rosé that's fresh and fruity and acidic. And oh, it's such a beautiful summer drinking wine. Now, as far as reds go, Cougar Crest grows all of my faves. <laughs> we go, they grow a Merlot, a Syrah, a couple of Syrahs, actually, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Tempranillo, Grenache. They have a number of blends, one of them actually being, this is really cool, a Tempranillo Syrah blend, and it's just the bomb. So is it any surprise that I did take that job? I think not. Don't get me wrong, I do love a good Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. No doubt about it. And I love it as much as the next person. But the big, bold reds, that's where it's at. That's that's just my thing. I love them. And what's super cool is that right now, the wines we sell at the tasting room are the 2015 to 2017 vintages, as, at least for the reds. And I mean, how cool, you know, so many wineries are selling the 20. 2020 vintage, 2021. And, and when you're selling a 2015 vintage, there's really no need to sell her that wine anymore after you bring it home. You can, of course, but you can also just drink it because it's ready. It's, it's fantastic. Cougar Crest wines, they are bold, but they aren't heavy. They're so, so smooth and they drink so easily, both, both with or without a meal. I cannot rave enough about these wines, and it's not just because I work there. They have won many awards for the wines and were even, one time, in the Wine Spectator Top 100 wines before. So that tells you a little something about the quality of the wines they produce, yes? One wine that I want to mention in particular is the Determination. This wine was born, so to speak, after Debbie and Dave's back then 17-year-old daughter was severely injured in a car accident. 
She was in a coma for, I believe, 12 days. She underwent a lot of surgeries, including on her brain. And yes, she did make it through this tough time. So Debbie made a wine that was then called Dedication to honor the work of the doctors and nurses at OHSU Dornbecker. It was later renamed Determination. I believe there was some issue that forced them to rename it. I don't know, maybe copyright thing or, you know, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, a portion of the proceeds on case sales goes to Dornbecker at OHSU. And it is my understanding that they have so far donated over $60,000. Yeah. Each year, the determination is a slightly different blend. The vintage we're selling right now at the tasting room is the 2015, and the blend is 54% Syrah, 19% Tempranillo, 11% Cap Franc, 9% Petit Verdot. And by the way, we also have a Petit Verdot that's not part of a blend. You got to try it. It's very good. And then 7% Grenache. So it's a very versatile wine that can be paired with a number of different meals from pasta to steak to barbecue. You'll definitely get the herbal characters, but also just some ripe plum, black cherry, some red currant, very, very smooth finish. And like I said, it's quite a popular wine among Cougar Crest members and guests. So Let's talk about the winemaker. And this is another exciting thing for me, of course, because the winemaker is female. And well, you already know, we're all about the ladies here at Through the Grapevine. Debbie and Dave Hansen started the winery together. Debbie is actually a pharmacist and Dave is a veterinarian. So between them, we have some very sciencey minds. Dave, according to the Cougar Crest website, has a green thumb. He is in charge of the vineyards while Debbie is making all the wonderful wines. She's also just as all around powerhouse of a woman. This woman does everything as I've learned during our opening period. She paints, she saws, she measures, she glues, she organizes, she strategizes. She's just this super, super busy lady. Debbie started her career, as I said, as a pharmacist in the 1970s. Uh, She graduated from Washington State University. Long before she and Dave discovered their passion for winemaking, their careers took them to San Francisco, and they lived there for almost 20 years and started their family there. Their love of wine started right there in the Bay Area, and this is funny to me. On their website, it says... Time off was spent being a wine tourist, studying the differences that terroir and winemaking styles can have on finished wine. And now this actually kind of makes me chuckle because knowing Debbie and Dave, I can totally see that. You know, while others just go, they drink the wine and they enjoy their time off. I can totally see Debbie and Dave, you know, sitting there discussing the terroir and the climat and, you know, everything. It's I, I so see that they spent their time off studying. Sciencey people never stop studying. Am I right? I know you feel called out, sciencey people. <laughs> anyway. They ended up buying some small farms in the Pacific Northwest, Um, but at the time, it was now the 90s, they planted apple orchards. 
which was fine until apparently the Apple markets plummeted. I don't know anything about that because I didn't live here in the States yet. And I mean, it was in the 90s. I didn't really care about shit anyway. <laughs> but so after that happened, uh, they ended up deciding on winemaking. And initially, they didn't make their own wines. They just grew the grapes. Debbie then went back to school at UC Davies and she took a bunch of enology classes. And then, of course, they did eventually start making their own wines and started Cougar Crest in 2001. And the rest, you might say, is history. Both of Debbie's and Dave's kids do work in the winery. So, yes, the daughter is well and working in the winery. So is their son. And there are now four tasting rooms. The main one is in Walla Walla, of course, but then there's one in Spokane, one up in Woodenville, and then there is Lake Oswego. And Lake Oswego, if you're familiar with Cougar Crest, then you know that there was a location in Dundee. And yes, that location has closed and they moved everything over to Lake Oswego to just kind of be a little bit closer. And a lot of the members really appreciate that. They uh, love being able to just, you know, go for a glass of wine real quick. So Debbie and Dave were here in town for our ribbon cutting with the Chamber of Commerce in Lake Oswego. And Debbie casually told me about all the things that she needs to take care of in the upcoming weeks. And my jaw just drops, you know, here I am thinking I'm too busy for my own good. And then I meet up with Debbie and I'm in for a reality check. <laughs> the woman never stops. I don't think she ever stops. I think the only way that Debbie would ever stop if she's actually going on vacation and who knows, maybe she even has her phone with her then, but maybe not. Maybe she turns it off. I could see how she would turn it off. Hmm. Questions to be asked. Well, anyway, you know, of course, this podcast is about these women powerhouses. It is to elevate women in the wine industry. And many of these women I admire truly with my whole heart. And it, it does put my life in perspective. I love talking about women. I love interviewing them and I love to get inspired by them. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't yet, I do highly recommend you listen to some of the previous episodes. We have so many great interviews with ladies who truly change the wine industry with their determination, their passion, and their vision for the future. And this is also where I want to invite you to contact me if you are at all interested in being featured as a woman in the wine industry. I would be absolutely delighted to interview you and share what you do with the world. Your work is important and I want to share it with women that opportunities are out there. You just got to go for it. And also, you know, yes, we've been talking to Willamette Valley women a lot, which comes kind of with the territory when you're in the Willamette Valley. But do know, I am very, very happy to talk to you no matter where you are in the wine world. As long as you speak English, we're good. I'd love to chat with you. And with that, we have made it to the end once again. I am so very happy to be back. I am so very happy that you're here listening in. And with all that... All I have left to say, of course, is post 